I would rather have a colonoscopy than listen to a musical. Well, that can be arranged. <laughs> that can have be a, a colonoscopy while you're while, listening to a, yeah. yeah, that's a whole I would a confess. Special. I would confess to everything. <laughs> We're probably at that age where we need to have routine colonoscopies anyway. That's right, so. yes. Have your butthole checked, everybody. Welcome to the Two Authors Chat Show, an entertaining podcast with two best-selling authors connecting readers with an eclectic array of distinguished guests through lively conversation and interviews. Hosted by mystery suspense and thriller writers, Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. Hope everyone is doing well. We're almost in summer, which is crazy for me to say because I'm in on air where it's been the 80s <laughs> since we got Always here. So. summer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's summer every day. So what have you been up to, mate? It is summer, so the main thing I do in the summertime is sadly cut grass. You smoke grass? Bush hogging. What did you just say? No, you I smoke don't smoke grass? it. I cut it. We cut it. You we cut, cut it. it. Oh, I sorry. cut it. Otherwise, how you smoke it, right? So <laughs> I just, I was, <laughs> I was running my tractor last week for a couple of days and Bush hogging and, and cut, which I actually enjoy doing because it, it's like nobody bothers you. Nobody ever wants to come out and say, hey, can I cut the grass for you? So nobody ever comes and talks to you. So And you're bush hogging. And you get to say, I'm bush, hog- I'm bush hogging. Yeah. I'm bush hogging. That's, That's right. It's it's fun. And it, always driving a tractor is fun anyway. It's like driving a boat, not as cool, but it, it's still fun to do. So we got like five acres. So we had lots of grass. And I was out of town for a week and a lot of rain. It just kind of springs up there so and just just summertime i'd get ready for getting to do some stuff on the boat down to the beach a little bit but most of my time right now has been spent just finishing up golf dreams getting this uh next chase gordon book ready to publish this month so i'm on that downhill run which is fun which also means i haven't touched missing in the keys as soon as i'm done with that i'll turn around and pound it out too so i'm painfully aware you have not sent me a missing in the keys chapter you're yeah, going to wait until I'm like really backed me, so. up in a week. Yeah. Really well, backed up know, in a week where I've got loads on and then you'll send it to me and I'll be like, ah, no rush, no rush. So, yeah. <laughs> so how about you, sir? Man, following your Facebook has been a lot of fun this lately. You've got all sorts of great things you're doing. Yeah, we're in Bonaire. So, you know, we've been uh, dipping in for a dive every now and again, which has been great. Some uh, got some good friends down here and uh, fun visiting with them. Busy writing. Um, and I'm uh, writing the Ori Verdi over halfway. I can see the, the end in sight. I started a technical diving course, which has uh, fascinated me forever. And um, uh, you, you were listening to Jill last week and you're like, I need to do something really cool. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, actually, I'd already signed up for it and then um, uh, she got me doubly excited about it. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot to Brian over at uh, Technical Diving Services in Bonaire. He's one of the instructors over there. So I did last weekend. I spent with uh, twin tanks on my back and uh, for, for most of the weekend doing classroom and then uh, some some dives and so doing uh, uh, deeper dives and decompression dives and stuff like that. So pretty cool. You know, I've never done a, a dive with twin tanks. So that, that's kind of cool. How long did you stay down for? What's what? <laughs> Once you've had twins, mate, you'll never go back. We'll ask your wife about that one. I think I just got a dirty look from the other room. <laughs> so it's a, uh, very heavy <laughs> when you're on land. And then um, once you get in the water, obviously you're neutral. So uh, you don't, 
I, I say you don't feel the way, but you do. There's the whole uh, center of gravity of the system changes. So um, you sort of see technical drivers and they tend to spread their arms and have them in front of them. You see a lot of the guys with um, you know side tanks do that. But you do it with the twins too. It gives you a, a bigger spread on the balance and, and your arms are used as part of the balance. So to start with, you know, it's a, a kind of a sloping wall here of uh, coral reef. And so I'm used to having a single tank and, you know, you want to look at something up the wall and you just kind of rotate to your side and look up and all that business. Well, you do it with the twin tanks on the back and all that mass and it sort of rolls it over and you keep rolling. <laughs> so you learn pretty quickly just to turn your head and keep your like body trying sort of to get flat floor, as much huh? as possible. <laughs> when you fall off the bed and try and get back on, yeah. You lay on your back like a turtle. So that's fair. Yeah, you can end up upside down with this stuff. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a very different feel. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And it's great to be learning something new again and all that kind of business. You're never too old, right? Uh, I feel it. <laughs> but uh, in theory, it's it's a good idea. <laughs> but doing fair, classroom and stuff again, you know, doing all the studying before, and there's a lot of online classing and oh, yeah. uh, so, online classing. I don't think that's a word. But uh, class work. And then, uh, yeah, fortunately, I was one-on-one with Brian, so um, I could ask him lots of silly questions and no one laughed at me. I think he thought I was an idiot, but uh, no one yeah. else in the class laughed at me, you know. <laughs> How deep did you go? I'm curious. Uh, so we didn't go real great. I mean, the max okay. on uh, recreational is 130, but we did a dive to 100 feet and then stayed down there for quite a while. So um, we were actually diving on nitrox, which is a higher uh, mixture of uh, oxygen versus uh, nitrogen in the system. But we told our computers we were diving on air, so the uh, computer thought we were going into deco, where we actually had to do stage stops, but yeah, actually our bodies weren't in deco, um, so it was safe to try it all out. But then we came up and did all these deco stops, and we had a stage bottle hanging, so we had the twins on the back, and a, um, I think it was a 60 um, oh, yeah, yeah. Cubic, cubic foot hanging on the front as well, which was um, 50% nitrox, and we were breathing off that at the uh, stage stops. So yeah, it was, okay. it was it was cool. Yeah. So the next part of it, yeah. they're doing about a month's time. There's three more days of it because um, I'm doing you know extended courses. Um, but I'll end up doing blended gases down and going down to 150. So it'll uh, lower my uh, fl- the floor available to me. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. Now that we've bored everybody who doesn't die, so let's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, so what? <laughs> all of you are like, I don't like diving. Why do they talk about this all the time? That's pretty yeah. cool. You guys should be out diving. So there's that. So was it seventy percent of the uh, the world you get to see, or added to what you get to see if you go underwater? So we got a new segment. We're going to throw at you. This is going to be a lot of fun in theory. <laughs> so it's <laughs> most of what we do is in theory. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. So what's it called, Doug? I know you're dying to say this. Oh, I'm dying to ask. I want to go, Nick. Hey, what steams your clams? That just makes me laugh <laughs> in itself. So that's the name of our new segment. Thank you very much to the multi-talented Nick Sullivan, who will be a guest uh, in, in an upcoming show, not too, not too far in the, in the distant future. And actually, um, Sully's coming down to see us in uh, Bonaire. He's booked, uh, booked a flight so oh, in a couple nice. of months. He's, uh, wow. he's going to come down and stay with us for a week. So uh, I'm going to uh, try and get him getting him into all kinds of compromising situations about 100 foot underwater and take pictures of him. There you go. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but uh, that, uh, let's roll the intro because he did a great job with this. This is his best uh, get off my lawn voice. You know what really steams my clams? What twists my knickers? What gets my goat? What really 
really takes the jam out of my donut. Hi, Nick. What is it that steams your clams? How about that intro? I don't think anything we could say after that would be as funny. No, that was <laughs> a sound bite. And we're done, guys. Everybody, so yeah, that's it. That, that's a wrap. All right, what steams my clams? You know what steams my clams? You remember? We're old and crusty enough to remember this. Remember when Some of us phone are. calls? <laughs> you're old enough to remember this part. So remember when phone calls used to be a private thing? You know what I mean? Oh, it, oh it's like yes. it, it, when you'd be on the phone, like you'd cover. Like you cover the mic with your hand just to be private about it. Oh, yeah. You didn't want other people listening in and everything else. What happened to that? We got the the latest thing, and I'm dying to blame this on the kids, but I can't because it's it's, fully grown people doing it more than the kids are doing it. They're holding the cell phone out in front of them, two feet away from their face, on speaker, so everybody can hear their gynecologist giving them their results. And then they're yelling at it so we can hear what they're saying. Because why? Because you're holding it two feet from your face. So why don't you put it up to your ear and talk quietly and have your conversation? Because I don't give a flying what's it it, for for anything, anything that you have to say on that phone call to that person. Yeah, I, I wonder, like, I think a lot of that is the new, like, FaceTime and you can, like, see. So you're looking at their face. While you're talking, I don't know, but I remember like I used to wait tables and bartend back in my previous, previous, previous life. And I recall that's about the time that the earpieces came in and people would be sitting at the bar talking on their earpieces and I wouldn't see them and think they're talking to me. And I come up to, what do you want? Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they get all upset. I'm on the time. I was like, okay, dude, you know, chill. But yeah, I don't know. That's I. I still do that to people. If they if they're doing the yelling thing, I'm, I'm like, "Excuse me, can I help you?" Or stand right next to them and just talk real loudly to Cheryl, who's who's with me, who then smacks me and says, stop, I, "Stop doing I that." I can't stand being on the phone like in front of anybody. Like if I'm at the house and then my you know you called me the other day, I I, I walked outside and sit on the porch and talk. I just can't stand being right there in front of people talking. You know, one it's a one sided conversation. Somebody gets to hear. You know, never interesting. So, not if you put it on speaker. That's what they're trying to do is let you know, <laughs> hey, they have a little rash on their gynecological parts. So, <laughs> but anyway, that steams my clams. So, stop doing it, people. Please, let's go back to having private phone calls. Step away. You know, don't broadcast it to everybody. Eventually, you'll be all beaming into your head. Actually, let's be honest. If if you can't text me, you probably don't need to call me. Before you dial my number, go, hey, could this be a text? And then and then that's the way you should work it out. So, uh, That's probably true, too. But just, you know, a little bit of privacy, a little bit of, you know, don't make your space my space. Don't invade my space with your shit. All right. That's, that's my, steams that's my rant. Clams. There you go. Oh, it steams them really good. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. Let's move on. Yeah. We have some questions, I think, today. Fire it up. What do we got? All right. Let's see. Our first question. Oh, it comes from uh, Angela Cloud Dewberry, and she's in Greer's Ferry, Arkansas. It's a gorgeous town. Did a lot of water Arkansas? There. You mean Arkansas? In Arkansas, yes. Yes, yeah. right in the middle I mean, of can the have, uh, Ozarks. You can have Kansas and Arkansas, or you can have Arkansas and Kansas. But make up your mind. Well, did you know? One or the other. Did you know that in Arkansas, it is actually a state law that it is illegal to mispronounce the, the name of the state? 
What do they do? Shoot you? Well, it's Arkansas. I don't know <laughs> Probably. that I question. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Drag you out into the swamp. We apologize to everybody who lives in Arkansas. Oh, sorry, Arkansas. He's British. He doesn't know anything. So, <laughs> Our question from Angela is, uh, uh, have you ever considered writing a different genre or different style of books? Like perhaps something lighter, funnier? Or nonfiction. She's saying we're not we're not funny enough. <laughs> yeah. Angela did not find me funny. So um <laughs> I think there's humor in think, our Nick? books. Oh, absolutely. What do you think, Nick? Have you ever considered writing something different? <laughs> Maybe a nonfiction something? Uh I say yes on both counts. I, for a long time I thought the book I would write would be about uh, motor racing, my prior career, especially as I coached and taught driving quite a bit. Um, I thought it would probably be something along those lines and Probably made uh, years and years ago with a friend of mine, uh, Mike Zemecki. Um, we talked about doing something and uh, made some a very brief start uh, towards it. But there's tons of that stuff out there now. So I don't think I'd, I'd do that at this point. Um, but yeah, certainly different genres. Man, there's a bunch that appeal. Sci-fi. I'd probably break every rule because it's very clicky, the whole sci-fi thing about what you can do and can't do and all that sort of thing. So I'd probably break a million rules in it. But that is just being able to invent I feel worlds. like you do that sci-fi erotica really well. The erotica bit? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I don't think I know. No, the no. sci-fi erotica. I think that'd be all right up your alley. Yeah. So. That's, I cannot wait to get back to Ning and meet the sci-fi erotica group again because they were entertaining as all hell. Her tentacles squirmed with passion. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be beautiful. All right, what are you? What are you going to write in? What's your uh, genre you're going to expand into? Uh, well, I've, I've done sci-fi. I just and and I like writing it, but it doesn't. I didn't sell very well, so I don't know. I, there was a. I had an idea for a book, and I had a really good friend of mine who is a uh, professor of rhetoric, and I wanted to get him on board because it would legitimize it. But I wanted to call it the uh, the field guide to bullshitters, and make it like have how different people and different lies are told and things like that. I thought that was really good. I thought it had a good branding possibilities, uh, you know, break into like different, you know, feel guide for bullshitting on dates and feel guide for bullshitters at the job, you know, that kind of thing. It had a lot of potential, but uh, apparently he felt like it was endless potential. Yeah. He felt it wasn't the most professional name. I was like, it's brilliant. Yeah. It is. I, I agree with you, especially, I, I don't know when you were having that conversation, but certainly in, today's world oh, it was only I yeah, think it was that, a couple of years ago yeah yeah no it's uh absolutely uh, I, I think oh, that's I thought, a brilliant idea and it is endless endless supply of uh, material oh, oh. for that book because oh, we are surrounded by bullshit yeah yep. surrounded by bullshit so. all the time and it would have been funny angela really really funny <laughs> <laughs> yes angela we can be funny <laughs> We've got another question. Let me fire this one at you. This is kind of interesting. So it's from Rebecca Stanfield of Farmerville, Louisiana. And let's just not pick on Louisiana. Just south right? of Arkansas. Just, yeah. Just let, let's, let's leave Louisiana alone. The <laughs> okay. question is, what's your McDonald's order? If you don't eat McDonald's, first yeah. of all, why? She says. Uh, second of all, I'll take any fast food or restaurant order for an answer. All right, Rebecca. So what what do you got there? You're a foodie. I actually like McDonald's breakfasts myself. Uh, I like their like sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle. 
usually their breakfasts are always a little fresher, in my opinion, than say some of the other stuff they have. But McDonald's, as a rule, is always consistently consistent. Never not what you expect out of it. So mine would be a, and I'll give you a little hack. Two things I'm going to say about McDonald's because one, when I do get my sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle, they always give you that little folded egg, which they've microwaved. But if you ask them to substitute it for the scrambled eggs, they give you the fresh eggs on top. And usually it's like a little bit more. That's my McDonald's hack for today. Nice. So how about you? Do you, uh, do you eat McDonald's? No. <laughs> I used to. Um, Nick but, is uh, too good for McDonald's. <laughs> too good for McDonald's. Too good um, for it. Do, do y'all have a, do y'all have a English version of, of McDonald's over there? Yeah. Yeah, it's called McDonald's. I mean, I know you have taken over the freaking world. So, is there a, a strictly English fast food that doesn't come over here? Oh my God! Yes, there was. I'm trying to think of uh, what it was that started. Um, that was our sort of closest thing to fast food until we were, we were invaded. And um, when I was growing up as a kid, in the serves you right, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thanks. The um, <laughs> we'll give you a hand in World War II, and then we'll give you this. God, I can't remember the darn name of it. I'll have to. We're going to come back to that on another show because I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and, and, and come back to it. But it, but we had this really crappy chain of places that was this all for. So and then we were very excited, of course, to get fast food. And that's the thing; it's very exciting to get this new kind of thing. And oh, I right, used to yeah. eat fast food um, too much. I used to like uh, Taco Bell, and I did eat McDonald's, and I used to like McDonald's breakfast. But these days, I try and avoid fast food at all costs. I don't eat meat. That's the first thing. So it limits what they have. I think it's uh, Bugger King have <laughs> the um, <laughs> the <laughs> the Impossible Burger, um, which is the uh, you know fake meat, and that's actually Impossible Burgers. Yeah. If you uh, want a the taste of a, a burger in a non burger, that it's about as good as it gets. So I've had once or twice. I've had an Impossible Burger from uh, Bugger King. I love that you're like, yeah. If you if you want, if you would like to. Pretend like you're eating meat, then that's eh, the best you can get right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always think of, uh, have you seen the, you've seen the movie Demolition Man, right? Yes. With uh, Sylvester Stallone back in the 90s. Oh, yes. Where they, he goes forward in the future and he's eating a burger and it's made out of rats because there's no meat. There's no meat left. That's what I think of when I think of him. Yeah. Oh, right. Because the rest of the burgers don't have any rat in them. Here in Memphis, sometimes in certain areas, they'll sell tamales on the side of the street. And generally, you don't see a lot of stray dogs in around either. So, <laughs> all right, time to move on. Let's move on to this week's show, which is titled "Steamed Clams," because we couldn't think of a better name. The title has absolutely nothing to do with this week's guest, although he might like clams. Uh, I don't think we asked him, but uh, it's USA Today best-selling archaeological thriller writer Ernest Dempsey. How you doing, Ernie? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. Does everybody always say that? Thanks for having me. No one's ever said, you know, aren't you glad I came now? They're usually like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Everybody's always very gracious. Nobody's ever come on and said, you're welcome. They should. They should. Yeah, I guess. We had someone who did come on and go, oh, it's you two. <laughs> and immediately just clicked off. We're like, whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. line went dead. So. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was something to us. That's, that's why Mark Dawson doesn't come on with us anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you, uh, you're, you're a thriller writer. You write archaeological thrillers. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you write? Yeah. So, uh, 
So all my plots are AI generated and <laughs> and AI written. And right uh, out of the gate, I just right mean, there. <laughs> uh, so well, thank you, Nick Thacker. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. There's a group of people out there. There's probably a, a very small subreddit that believes that he and Kevin Tumlinson and I are the same person, just writing the same stories under different names and premises, and sometimes the same premises, and partly because three of us have never been seen together. So it's funny, but you should get on that bandwagon because they're definitely uh, they're, they're putting out so much stuff there that they're not the same person that they got to be the same person now. Yes, yeah, so. Uh, I write, like you said, I write archaeological thrillers, but the main series is the Sean Wyatt series. And then my second biggest series is the Dak Harper Relic Runner series, which is less archaeological thriller, more action thriller focused, but it does have like a historical spin to it. So he's always hunting down stolen or lost artifacts or, or masterpieces of from the art world, things of that nature. And then uh, and then I have a, a new urban fantasy paranormal series that is, uh, it also has a, an arc, the main character is an archaeologist. So uh, that series is the Gideon Wolf series based in the Guardians of Earth universe. So that third book just came out. But the, uh, yeah, the next one I'm working on right now is called Thief's Honor and uh, it's Relic Runner book six. So I think I've published over 50 something stories, 56 stories with like, 40 of them, maybe 40 of them being full-length books. They're like a mixture of like novellas and stories in there. So, right. So very that's, prolific. That's so. prolific. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. So when did you start? How long have you been writing for? I started my first book, The Secret of the Stones, around 2007, 2000, about 2008, because it took me two years to write that first one. And then I wrote the sequel in about six months. And uh, I re-released, I re-released those the first one and release the second one together at the end of December of 2011. So that's really the earliest trackable publishing that I did because the first time around was, was through Vanity Press. So really kind of got started in 2011. And then in 2012, when I was like, oh, I'm actually making gas money for my job doing this. I'll just keep doing this. From 2011 till now, I've, I've written and published like 54 stories. So that's awesome. That's, that timeline's perfect, right? I mean, 2011, 2012 was kind of the happy time with uh, ebooks growth. You were on at the front end of it. Yeah, it really was. I was lucky to get in on it when I did. It was because um, Kindle was new. In fact, the Vanity Press that I went through, they, they were terrible, but I asked them. It's like, do you guys format for this Kindle thing that came out? And they're like, no, we don't see that going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that you are wrong, yes, sir. They, they, they missed that mark, didn't they? So Yeah. I, I had to learn how to format and you know uh, in Word with using HTML, which sounds worse than it is, but it still was awesome. it was I did it in two thousand eleven. It was worse than it. Yeah, it, it is as bad as it sounds. It was terrible. But now we have tools that can do it in, in ten seconds and make it prettier and though so it's really funny when you tell people who just started just started writing in the last four or five years how we used to have to do it they're like that sounds horrible <laughs> i don't nick nick you may not have done that we had to show like all the little punctuation marks so you can find because any any kind of a extra thing that was hidden in there would send it all askew it was terrible yeah 
So uh, you you write heavy action, right? I mean, that's so an adventure. So what about you? What's the uh, most adventuresome thing you've done? Oh, what a question. I know. I'm, that's why I get paid wow. the big bucks. Thank you. <laughs> We've never had that reaction on the show before. Great question. I would say doing my own taxes. That's, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Wow. That is the riskiest. <laughs> we said adventure is not the most creative. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, can it be both? Sure. <laughs> Why choose if you don't have to? <laughs> the riskiest. Uh, that's a great question. So I would say the most adventurous thing I've ever done. Gosh, I don't know. He just ruled out two things in his mind that, that he couldn't talk about because he was naked at the time. Now he's, he's filtering. That's why he's taking so long answering this. He's filtering. I can see it on his face. Yeah, no, there's some. There's definitely some like things I wouldn't say on a PG-13 show. Oh, you can but say it on PG-13. <laughs> we say whatever you want to. We were going to be, but we blew it. <laughs> Remember the movie Office Space? That character, uh, what's his name? Golly, he's got like a German name, but he was the friend with the mullet. Oh, yes, yes. Golly, what's his Hey, Peter, man. And then he says, yeah, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I was like, I'll tell you what I'd do. Remember what he said? That would be the most adventurous thing. No, for me, <laughs> I think it was. You're welcome. Uh, for me, it was. It was probably 2019. I took my wife for our five year anniversary to Greece. Like very short notice. I was. Uh, we were by the pool listening to Florence and the Machine, and I was like, you know, I wonder where they're playing. I wonder if they're going to be playing anywhere like close to here for our anniversary. Because she loves this band. I like this band a lot. So I looked it up, and they were playing on our anniversary at this ancient amphitheater at the base of the Acropolis under the Parthenon there in Athens. I was like, okay, I have to do that for so many reasons. Oh, my and God. So I asked yeah, absolutely. Her, that would be cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I asked her, I was like, do you think you could get out work for a couple of days if my mom could watch our kid? For like four days, if we just take like a long weekend and go to Athens to see Florence and the Machine, she goes, oh, yes, yes, do that. So this was like five weeks away. I found flights. I found when the concert tickets went on sale, I, I got, I scooped up to, they were sold out in like 30 seconds. And we flew over there to Athens. We spent that first day there, just walking around the old city and then, you know, had some great food, saw some cool sights. And then we went to the show that night, which was amazing. I mean, just a haunting performance. And in, in this, you know, like two and a half, 3,000 year old amphitheater, it, and you've got the Parthenon up above you and you're on this ancient hillside that hundreds of thousands, not millions of people considered to be a holy place of power for so long. And it was just a, it was a really cool experience. And and all the Greeks there were just like, they were just so happy at the concert. They were having a good time. And then the next day we took a ferry from Piraeus down to Piraeus. Yeah, I think Piraeus port down to Andros Island to the east. And we spent two days over there, three days over in Andros, a couple days over there. That was really cool because it's lesser, lesser tourist type island and, so we we felt you know we were it was quieter and and we were also not there during peak season so we enjoyed that and like eating there and doing all that but but the most adventurous thing that I did while I was there 
was driving around on Andros Island in this tiny little car on these little roads. And we're looking for this plate, this Airbnb that we'd rented, which was pretty isolated on the island. Beautiful beach view. In fact, you could, this is audio only, but you guys can see the picture behind me is my wife standing there on this, this little beach, Sinetti beach that like we could, we were looking down on from this, like the only house looking down on it. But we're looking for this place. GPS is not super helpful there. Like this is kind of off the grid. And so I'm trying to find this house and I took a wrong turn and we're going down like this extremely narrow, almost dirt road. It was like not gravel, not dirt, but it was like, it was not kept up well. And it was barely wider than this tiny little car. And there's, you know, a a pretty steep drop off to the right that goes down to the, the beach area or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? We need to turn around. And she's like, uh, you're not turning around here. And I'm like, no, I'll just turn around here. There's a spot right there. And she says, uh, honey, please don't do that. Just drive down there to that bottom where that, that house is. And I said, I don't want to go to that house. That's not where we're going. That's, this was a bad decision on my part. And she still rides me about it to this day. That's what wives are for. They, they're going to remind you of those things that you did that, that way. Yeah. But I did it. I'm driving in flip-flops and it's a stick shift, which is fine. That's what I learned on, you know, when I was 12, I learned how to drive a stick shift in a 1969 240Z. So I just, you know, like three point turned it and my wife's like got her face covered and she's terrified and sweating. And I drive us back up the hill. In hindsight, that was horrible decision by me. She just driven down to the bottom and turned around where it was safer. There, if you like drive off the road, you're going to fall 10 feet. You can't let her be right. So that, that's, that's fair. Can't let that happen. So that was probably the most adventurous thing I've done. The trip in general, just spur of the moment, but also like that moment was terrifying adventure for me. That and when I used to go rock climbing. So there's your 10 minute answer to that question. <laughs> so I've like, um, yeah. got the visual of the Austin Powers 30 point turn on the side of a cliff with your wife like smacking you the whole time. So let's see, uh, you, uh, you got, you said uh, in our little talk before, you're going to be doing Dragon Con this year. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah it's exciting. How, how'd you get into that? I applied. Oh, okay. That was easy. <laughs> it was it was a rigorous process, Douglas. I uh, <laughs> we went two men talk web- about your three point turn, but let's. I, I just applied. I went into the website and I carefully clicked on the guests link, and then I cautiously filled out the application. It was pretty dicey for a little while. That's tough, yeah. Right. I clicked the send button or submit button, and then like the next day, I was approved. They're not very strict about that kind of thing, so I see. Yeah, I'd always heard they were like, you know, it's pretty pretty stringent to get involved, but they are. I will say that they only do, I think, four hundred guests, and that sounds like a lot, but this is a massive. So it's spread out over like four or five hotels. And then there's a, you know, the building where they have the vent, all the vendors on like five different floors. My plan was to go as a vendor. I I just went last year just to snoop around. And then my plan this year was to go as a vendor. And I missed the deadline for that. 
to apply for a vendor table. So I was, I saw the guest thing and I clicked on it and it was like, apply to be a guest. Oh, okay. And since be our guest is my second favorite Disney song, I was like, cool. Let's do well, What's your first favorite Disney song? It's the main theme from the Hercules movie. Oh, okay. Sing it for us. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Maybe later. Okay, it's fine. That's fine. Go on now. That, well, that segment's in, right? You're, you're a musician too. Well, I'm a singer. So the guys you know, I used to play with would say, you're not a musician, you're a singer. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> there's a definition or a difference there for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I play the radio, so I know exactly what they mean. And I'm musically inept. So now the name of your band, Soul Crush? Wow, you did some research. I actually listened to several of the songs. They're, they're listenable. They're actually pretty good. Thank you. Do you know somebody grabbed your name, though? Like the, the band name? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's been going on for years. There's a female singer who, called Soul Crush who put something out last year, and it's uh, at subpar based on, <laughs> on your stuff, I have to say. Well, we don't, really, we don't really tour anymore, so it's all good. But you toured for a long time, right? Yeah, we played for about 15 years. We we mostly stayed regional, local and regional. We did we did go out to Colorado once as the farthest we went, but that was just a one one time show. Right. And uh, just one album? We did two records, but the other one, the first one was not as clean as far as the recording is concerned, and so I don't even know there are a limited number of those copies out there in the world somewhere. But the, uh, the second one was the one that we, we put up on the, the distribution channels that put it, that's how it's on Spotify and iTunes and all that. So it was engineered by my friend, Chad, who after he re- he had just come out of sound engineering school out in Arizona and he got us into Trisha Yearwood's place, sound emporium up in Nashville. And that's, that's as name dropping as I get right there. And then um, he did our record there and then went on to win multiple Grammys with Taylor Swift. Now he has his own studio up there in Nashville and he's just doing great. Couldn't happen to a better person too. Him and his wife are good friends. You know, yeah, but it, that's why that one's out there because the quality is so much better than the yeah. first one. You made him what, it, what he is today. If it wasn't for Soul Crush, he'd be nowhere. You know what? We had we had a couple of uh, beverages up there uh, in Nashville off of Broadway because the locals never go to Broadway very much. And then uh, we were he said that to me. It was really cool. He said the, the money that you guys paid for that record got us through until I could start picking up regular work. That's, That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I was kidding around, but that is yeah, pretty cool. cool. <laughs> I have another really ponderable question for you. I want to know like if you could choose any fandom that you got to write stories in, what would you choose? Star Wars. Harry Potter would be a really close second. I mean, the Star Wars thing, I want to write the female character that was chasing Obi-Wan Kenobi during the Kenobi series. She was doing it to get back at at Vader because she was a former youngling Jedi. I've even looked, and I believe that they are in the process of creating that series. I want to write her spinoff series. Like I, I want to write the books of it and then have those converted into the series because quite frankly, I could do a better job than the people that have been creating some of their, not all, but some of their, some stuff. Of their stuff. Yeah. I I'm not as good as some of their writers, but I am as good or better than some of their writers. That's the way it goes. That sounds cocky. 
but that's just look. It's fair. I've, I've seen some of their stuff, and you're right. That's it's so. Anybody at Lucas Arts who <laughs> I mean, I look. I love the Star Wars universe, and I love I love all the spinoff stuff for one reason or another. But there's been a few things that like baffled me, like the Book of Bubba Fat. Oh, that was a disaster. Yeah, that was a disaster. The core of that disaster was writing. The concept of the story itself was the problem. So. Could I have done that better? Yeah, you could have too, right? Like, oh, there's absolutely. a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Could I have done the first two seasons of Mandalorian better? Probably not. Third season, yes, but the first two seasons, no. So I have a question because I know nothing about this stuff. How do you get to write in those worlds or get permission? Because there's there's a gazillion different things, right? Obviously, Harry Potter and Star Wars are huge ones, and I'm sure they're owned and you have to get permission. But there's a lot of other worlds that have been around for a long time, like Dune and stuff like that. Do people still own that and you have to get permission or, or are there some that you can just, you can just write in those worlds if you choose to. That's a, you know, that was one of the ones I just saw um, our good friend, Elizabeth Ann West, who does Pride and Prejudice and um, those kind of like old British classics. Yeah. The, that uh, she does derivative fiction. That's the word I was looking for, derivative. But it's basically things that have gone into the public domain. Like, at this point, um, Sherlock Holmes, finally, all his last story went to the public domain, so you can technically write whatever you want to with any character from Sherlock Holmes. Really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> 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 <So>. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> Look at that, yes. You'll be thinking, now, what can we do? So, I am. Are you sure about that? Because if you're sure... I'm very interested. I would. I am. I am very sure. But go ahead and do your. I am not going to give you any legal advice by any stretch. But yeah, they just cleared it. I think it's like 75 years. And the last short story that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had published was whatever that year. And I think it just cleared up this year. Enola Holmes, you got to wait a little longer for. Yeah, Enola Holmes, you got to wait. Yeah, and that. Yeah, if you do the anything that's been done like the Enola Holmes, now you got to wait on that, so you couldn't write anything with her because. That's been done, but yeah, it's out there now, so you can do it and and do that. But I think it's just time frame. Uh, the Dune stuff. I know um, Kevin J. Anderson is writing with Brian Herbert, who's the son of Frank Herbert, so that he probably has the rights to that. So, and I I think you just had to get like a contract with like Lucas Films to do like Star Wars, or I'm hoping they'll do some like Indiana Jones books now that the new shows coming out, new movies coming out. Yeah, I'm sure not many people apply for that. Probably not. What do you got uh, coming up? What's uh, what's what's next on the horizon for you? What's uh, what are your next releases coming out? Uh, the next release will be Relic Runner Six. I'm about thirty percent done with that right now. I've been writing pretty slow this so far this year, and then um, usually I like to be done thirty to fifty percent with a book when I'm releasing the releasing a book. So, like when I released Crimson Winter last month. My goal is when I'm releasing that to be 30 to 50% done with the next one. So I'm way off, right? But I've been distracted. Stupid podcast interviews and such. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so yeah, that's the next one, Thief's Honor. It, it deals with a stolen painting that's been missing for three decades. And it puts Dak, my main character in that series, into uh, into the most painful, difficult, situation of his life and uh he feels completely out of control and has to rely on on friends and you know goes through multiple quests 
to achieve success or will he succeed? Will he just get killed? Will he like fall in front of a steamroller? Oh, you should do that. Totally. <laughs> like a naked that's, gun. Like that, a naked that's pretty gun. Wily. Very wise, yes. And what Wiley Coyote. All right. So we have one more question for you, sir. And this is a little gimmick gimmick we do. We like gimmicks. So we have a little wheel with a final question for you. It's random. It, it could be anything. And for those of you who are listening, this is a colorful wheel. And it's got like a hypnotic spirally thing. Are you going to try to hypnotize me? I don't yeah, think that's very st- hard. St- so stare, stare at this very center. closely. <laughs> yeah. The sound's the coolest part. Yeah, the sound's the coolest part. So. so what is your least favorite movie? Wow. So it used to be Anaconda. Oh, okay. <laughs> I then know Anaconda 2 came out, Wait, right? <laughs> hang on. Hang on. I've got a claim to fame on Anaconda. I, a, a friend of mine, dated the girl that was in Anaconda. Huh? <laughs> okay. Kevin Bacon, right there. Kevin Bacon, seven, seven degrees of separation. Kevin and I have been on the same musical stage before at Rhythm and Brews in Chattanooga when the Bacon brothers, we didn't play the same night, but we have been on that same stage. So the manager of that place is my one degree of separation. He's a good friend. And said Kevin was a really cool guy. So that's very cool. Probably my least favorite movie of all time would be Leaving Las Vegas. You know, it's award-winning movie, utterly depressing. Just watching someone drink themselves to death, it's exactly what it sounds like. It was a miserable experience. And I don't know how I got greenlit. And Nicolas Cage, sure, great job. And I love Elizabeth Shue. Oh, my goodness. Watching that movie, the girl I was dating wanted to see it. I'm like, oh, what's it? I like Las Vegas. <laughs> Vegas is a fun place. I knew nothing about it going in. And I walked out of there like wanting to drink myself to death. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, can't say I enjoyed it either. I don't think I can think of a worse one right off the top of my head. It's probably that one for me. It's fair. Okay. That's good. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today. I appreciate you uh, having a little ch- chat with us. Go to the Different is the name of the theme song from Hercules, by the way. Okay. Yes, it is. Very good. See, I was hoping you'd have pulled out like Robin Hood, like, you know, the one with the foxes and the animals. So, you know, I haven't seen that since I was a kid. My kid watched it recently, but I didn't watch it. I, I do like old Disney movies and, and occasionally some of the new ones, but. I grew up loving those movies, but Hercules, that one. And then the the main song from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, was that the name of that movie or was yeah, it, it was a the different? Hunchback of Notre Dame was the name. That theme song was great too. Like, could be somewhere out there. You know, that whole thing was just really cool. It's funny because I grew up not liking musicals. And now I'm like, I really love musicals. Like, I just want to sit down and watch Sound of Music or Mary Poppins or Disney movies, and I don't know what happened to me. I would rather have a colonoscopy than listen to a musical. Well, that can be arranged. <laughs> you can have be a colonoscopy cool. while you're while. listening to yeah. yeah, that's a whole I would confess. Special. I would confess to everything. <laughs> We're probably at that age where we need to have routine colonoscopies anyway. Right, so. yes. Have your butthole checked, everybody. <laughs> Public service announcement. This Bradley brought to you by colonoscopy. No, you know that today it's way better now. You poop in a box. That uh, colon guard, I think it's called. 
The last one I had, I pooped in a box. You poop in a box and you ship it back to them. And then they send you the, like a green light or a, uh-uh, no, you, this, be- you better get pro. This show is becoming nothing but shit lately, so. You've turned it into a show. <laughs> a shit Me, show. No, Jill, Jill Hyneth turned it into a shit yeah, show last, last week, episode, last actually. Show, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah, but she's got but, you covered. She got pooped on by a humpback whale, so. That takes the cake right there. On that note, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, sir. And good luck at DragonCon. Thank you. And you're welcome. Thank you to Ernest Dempsey. And thank you guys for listening in to another one of our shows. We appreciate it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. If you'd give us a five-star review, those help a lot in uh, getting the word out there. Check out the show notes for links to uh, our books, social media, everything about uh, Ernest Dempsey. I think we've got a, his uh, website and uh, his buy page on Amazon in there. Anything else we happen to mention in the show that is important, like the uh, fast food chain in Britain that Nick can't remember, um, we won't put a link to that in there. And uh, uh, support the show by buying or gifting our books. We might need a coupon for McDonald's. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah. Next, hey, McDonald's, <laughs> sponsor us. We'll get some McDonald's <laughs> coupons. Yeah. That's what. I'm sure Burger King won't do it now that you've uh, jumped on that one. So <laughs> I don't think McDonald's will either. Anyway, uh, ne- our next episode, we're really excited about this. We have our actually our first musical guest. It is uh, a glam group uh, duo from Tacoma, Washington called Champagne Sunday. They're a really cool couple there that's uh, playing some really awesome music. Uh, I had a chance to listen to some of them the other day. So looking forward to talking to them next week. So look for our episode, our new episodes every two weeks. Cool. Until then, be cool to each other. And fair winds and following seas. You've been listening to the Two Authors Chat Show with Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt. <laughs>